Thursdays. I'm John Otney, and joining me tonight is Sean Lemmy and Colin Westman. We're going to be doing something a little different tonight. We're going to be doing a new segment called Good Movie, Bad Movie, where we're going to take two movies with uh, that are tied together with similar themes or maybe an idea or a concept and then have a discussion about them. And the theme tonight is drilling. Now, can you guys tell me a little bit about what we're what what we're talking about with drilling? Well, we're talking about two movies that deal with boring into the earth for very different reasons. Uh, our good movie is uh, "There Will Be Blood," uh, the Paul mm-hmm. Thomas Anderson movie from a few years ago. Uh, because Colin and I both wanted to watch that movie again, and and his new movie is coming out uh, this week, I think. Mm-hmm. And our bad movie is the core. Now, uh, can you explain that to uh, to our audience? Because I'm not sure everyone really recalls the core that clearly. <laughs> well, it is directed by John Emile, the man behind the man who knew too little. <laughs> the Bill Murray movie. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it's the same guy. Okay, that was a, that sounds like a totally different movie. That's like a comedy. This is this is an like a sci-fi movie, right? Is right the core? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the fiction is way more than the science in this movie. Yes, uh, as hard as it tries to convince it that science is involved in any way with the premise of this movie. I'm sure lots of people remember it. It was very profitable in in, in 2003 when it came out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> calm. Yeah. For some reason, I remembered it being a kind of a flop, but no, I looked it up. It, it made its money back. It had like a sixty million dollar budget, and it made like seventy three million at the box office. So, yeah. All right. Okay. So I think most people know about There Will Be Blood. It's a movie about oil drilling. But can you explain how the core? How is what does that have to do with drilling exactly? Well. In the world of the core, which is supposedly supposedly modern day, okay, and it's supposed to be Earth, uh, the core of the planet is is it is it actually stopped or is it just slowing to us to a halt? I think it's I actually stopped. I don't know. It's always really vague about <laughs> what's actually happening to the core. I feel like it's slowing down. And this is leading to the Earth's electromagnetic field disappearing? (laughs) I think so. Because that's what happens in that one scene where, like, the Golden Gate Bridge disintegrates because a giant hole forms right over it for some reason. Yeah, there's, like, a giant hole in the atmosphere. Because there's, like, a weak spot coming from the core at that part of the Earth for some reason. But that's that's later on. It it all starts with um, all the people with pacemakers... (laughs) Yeah, it starts out with that guy that goes into that meeting. He's like this slick businessman. He's like, I'm going to nail this. Time to make $50 million. And then he walks into the meeting and just flops over on the desk, dead. Which is the way you wish the pitch for the core had gone. (laughs) The the writer just walked into the room and just fell over dead. So then none of this would have happened. Yeah. I am intrigued. I am intrigued. So let's uh, let's try to go back and forth and break these movies down a little bit and uh, see, see some of their similarities or differences, maybe, and then see how they kind of stack up against each other. 
Uh, can you tell me about the lead characters of each movie? Let's start with There Will Be Blood. Okay, uh, it's, uh, There Will Be Blood, the main character, is Daniel Plainview, uh, played by Daniel Day-Lewis. He's an oil man. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this movie basically <sighs> uses him as like the embodiment of capitalism. He, he can't really make personal attachments that well. He's just driven purely by, uh, I mean, he says he has competition in him. Uh, he wants, he wants to have all the money and he wants no one else to succeed. And he likes milkshakes. Sure does, I guess. And steak. You ever seen that, you ever seen that SNL sketch where Bill Hader plays him? No, I haven't. He's like looking for the perfect milkshake. <laughs> Yeah, like those his faces looking for the perfect milkshake. Interesting. Yeah, worth checking out. But yeah, he is a dark man, and he is a man dri- driven by greed. Can you tell me about the star of the <laughs> core? Well, uh, we all know his name. It's Doctor Josh Keys because they keep repeating his name like ten million times throughout the movie. It seems like. And he, you know, he's like. College professor, he's like having a good time, goofing around. But he's also like an apparently expert. the smartest man in the world. Yeah, he's a teacher. What does he? What does he teach? Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You know, some complicated physics thing. I don't know. Okay, so they they, a, they, they they when they introduce him, he's he's teaching a class where he's blowing a trumpet at blocks of concrete to demonstrate sound waves. I haven't seen the movie, but I'm visualizing this right now. Interesting, interesting. (laughs) So how does the professor get on some sort of ship that goes to the core? Well, he's picked up by government agents who take him to this place full of dead <laughs> bodies and it and he quickly deduces that that they all died because of uh they had pacemakers and they pacemakers don't work when earth's electromagnetic field goes away <laughs> i just remember that scene where you like see the look in his eyes, and you're like, "Oh, he just put it all together." You know, it's like, how would anyone think of that? <laughs> That's just fucking Josh Keys for you. Yeah, right? well, he's got it all figured out. But but he's just thinking it, and no one's. They're just happy to know that it's not a weapon that killed all the people with pacemakers. Uh-huh. Uh, so he's he's doing his own individual research on the core stopping, and he finds. Uh, Dr. Stanley Tucci, who's like is already working with the government on something. I don't want to spoil it by yet. Uh, but he's the one who basically figures everything out, and so that's why he uh, plays a role with this whole program. All right. Uh, something else that I like to ask about these characters: Do you think either of them are relatable, or you can sympathize with them? Let's go back to Daniel Plainview. Do you find him a relatable character in any way? Can you sympathize with his journey, or you know, relate in any way? Really? <laughs> um, but if you were put in his shoes, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, this character, like when I first saw this movie, I walked out of it. Not even really knowing like what I thought of it, I was just like, "What the hell was that?" And I think a lot of it had to do with just that character and how extremely unlikable, uh, how just like so mad with power this guy is. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what's so incredibly fascinating about him. He's just this completely out there kind of character, and <laughs> Dale Day Lewis gives one of the. Just most grandiose performances. It's just really, really fun to watch. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, can you, you can see the, yeah? Go you you go can ahead. see the humanity break through on, on Plain View every once in a while. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, like when he's reunited with his son for the first time after he really cold bloodedly leaves him on a train uh, to go get help after he's uh, he goes deaf in an accident. 
there's a moment where he, uh, he they, they're reunited and they hug and he and he walks him away, and uh, he makes sure that he's far away from everyone else and and he hugs his son, uh, so not even his son can see him and he says I love you. I guess because maybe he's too prideful to to say that where anyone could actually hear it, but but we know. Right, right. Uh, going back to the core, do you think you can identify in any way with, what was it, Josh Keyes? <laughs> What's his name? Yeah, That's Dr. Him. Josh Keyes. Um, do you think, can you identify with him or relate to him in any way? I, don't, I feel like this is a character that the writers like wanted us to identify with so much because he's like the likable teacher, but he's just... Uh, he's pretty bland. He's not that exciting to watch. No. I'm sorry to hear that. As so, are most of the characters movie. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, who do you think's the better rounded character? The better um, developed character? <laughs> when you compare these two films? It's, it's not even a contest. Like, <laughs> Daniel Plainview is one of the, I don't know, probably one of the more memorable characters of the last decade or so in in movies josh keys is uh what? I don't know. <laughs> you know i'm disappointed i really wanted to see more support for josh keys because well, i'd love to see that in a film class someone they're talking about they're really blood this guy stands up wait a minute josh dude, keys is the most important character in drilling related movies he saved the world through his knowledge of yeah what did daniel play do you do nothing he was just a selfish asshole just wanted milkshakes. This isn't really that fair because Thoroughly Blood's a character <laughs> study, and Daniel Day Lewis is like in every single shot of the whole film, and the core is an ensemble. <laughs> it's it's a team. It is, but I feel like Josh Keys is in most of it. But I feel like we don't get to learn very much about him just because there's so many scenes of him just rattling off all this scientific jargon. That I think we're supposed to believe makes sense, but there's no way it does. No, we don't know any. We don't know what drives him. We don't. Which they make a point of. They're like, this guy's like, I'm not trying to save the world. I'm just trying to save my wife and my kids. And, and Josh Key's like, well, I'm just trying to save the world. Oh, they didn't put in something lame like, oh, he's divorced. You know, he's just trying to see his kids and stuff. No, he wants his kids back. We don't even know if he really likes being a teacher and just wants to get back to that life. <laughs> Well, he does at the end. He's like, oh, I just got a classroom to get back to because I love those kids so much, I guess. All right. So I I think in the case of the better developed character, it probably goes to there will be blood. Um, Moving on. uh, Tell me about some of the opposition in these films, like the antagonist. Would you say there will be blood has like a clear antagonist? I don't think either of these movies has a clear antagonist. <laughs> well, let's talk about There Will Be Blood first. I mean, I guess Daniel Plainview is kind of like an anti-hero. He's kind of like both. Yeah, um, I don't think the film needed an antagonist because he drives so much conflict just from, I don't know, just <laughs> how many people he's willing to step over to get, of get course, his oil. It, it does have his foil, uh, Paul Dano. Mm-hmm. As uh, Eli Sunday, who is the local—I uh, don't even know if he actually has a position within the church—but he's he's the religious leader. Uh, I guess he started his own church. Now that I think about it, uh, in, in the community where uh, Daniel comes to make his fortune, digging up oil, and I, I'm Paul Dano. I don't know. I liked him in Little Miss Sunshine. Outside of there, I'm not really a big fan of the guy. You know, I'm not a big fan either, but I think he's competent in this film. I don't think he was the best choice, but I think he was good enough. And, I mean, the fact that you had Daniel Day-Lewis in there, I wasn't too, you know, it doesn't get me too down that they didn't get someone to kind of match him. But, uh, I mean, he's fine, I think. He doesn't even really keep up with Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, but still, he does. He does. Like I said, I think he's competent. He's not great. He's just he's fine, and I, I'm I'm fine with that. That's that's that's. The, hey, he could have been bad, but that would be bad. He's an interesting uh, villain for this character because, being a holy man, he kind of has this 
impeach unimpeachable moral high ground that he can lord over uh, plain view whenever he wants to. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I hate move. him. Yeah. You yeah. want to add one more thing there? No. Okay. Let's go. Let's go back to the court. So, who's the antagonist in the core? Is well, the Earth. The Earth. Yes, it's the Earth. There's no like corporate businessman who wants like the world to be well, destroyed okay, so for some he, reason. So here is Stanley Tucci's like kind of like villainous, but not really. Stanley Tucci is just like a know-it-all, and he doesn't. He's kind of a. He doesn't jerk, like being but... wrong, he, and Aaron Eckhart is like wrong. Uh, yeah. I guess Richard Jenkins kind of becomes a villain later on. Uh, he's playing a general. He's the guy who put this whole team together to begin with, and uh, uh, him, him and Tucci were doing. It's called Project Destiny. That's D E S T I N I, which stands for Deep Earth Seismic Trigger Initiative. They they kind of right. ran out of words and just. Capitalize a bunch in initiative. Because <laughs> why not? And uh, what are they? Yeah, it is a weapon which was designed to send something waves. <laughs> into yeah, I never the, really understood what that was. It was basically they could use it. They could beam something into the Earth's core, and then cause earthquakes wherever they wanted. So. It was a real bad weapon. Basically turning the Earth into a weapon. Mm-hmm. And they realized Earth's core isn't just stopping on its own. It was turning on Project Destiny uh, that started everything. And, and uh, later on in the film, uh, Stanley Tucci kind of just gives up on, on the plan because uh, some shit goes down aboard the Virgo. Vir- Virgil. The... The, the ship they take into the Earth's core. Because even though they're so deep underground, they have constant radio contact uh, with the surface. And so he tells uh, Richard Jenkins, the general, to turn Destiny on again to restart the Earth's core. But Aaron Eckhart says, no, that'll, that'll kill everyone. That'll blow up the Earth or something. So I guess that's your villain. Those two guys. But they're both well-meaning. They're both on the side of good. Yeah, everybody's on kind of the side of good, which is why this movie is just kind of a bad idea, (laughs) because I feel like a a large chunk of it is just them drilling into the earth, and there's not that much conflict to come from people just being in this giant drilling machine going toward Earth's, Earth's core. So... You know, they they made these conflicts that are not very exciting to watch, where they keep getting stuck going down. And each time they get stuck, they all have to go out and try and fix the ship, and one person dies each time. <laughs> kind of sounds like Armageddon. So there's, there's this... We'll get to that. <laughs> um, it gets into this pattern of one person dies each time they have to get out of the ship, and it's... Yeah. It sucks because none of them die in entertaining ways. Like, all of them are really lame. Like, the first guy, Bruce Greenwood, a giant, really hot rock falls from above and hits him in the head. And he falls into a pool of lava. And just this little little drop of blood comes out of his head. And it's like, oh my god. And it's so stupid because he shouldn't be out of... And then there's that other scene where Delroy Lindo dies... Which Sean was just the whole time we were watching it. Sean was talking about how incredibly ludicrous it was because he goes into this like part of the the ship that's like breaking off, and he has to I don't know pull some lever or some bullshit. And well, they have to, what they have to do is they have to uh, be able to eject parts of the ship whenever they want, which wasn't the way it was designed. It was designed to only eject parts that are broken. So Delroy Lindo had to go in there and flip a switch. And it killed him to do this. <laughs> because the suit, because it's like 4,000 degrees inside the room. And they're like, well, if you go in there, you'll die for sure. Because your suit 
can only support like 2,000 degrees of heat. And Sean's just talking about how, well, that doesn't make any sense because he would just burst into flames if <laughs> he in there. Oh, his suit can handle half that much. It's that not like enough it's... time to walk around for like, it seems like five minutes. Yeah, he's like walking and like his, his boots are like melting a little bit with each step. But it's not like it's 50 degrees hotter or 100 degrees or 500 degrees. It's 2,000 degrees warmer. <laughs> Just like sweating off, moving really slow. As soon as he opens the door, everything would burst into flames. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you guys basically already answered my next question. Uh, does is does the core have an engaging conflict? <laughs> no, and absolutely I, not. I don't, I don't think it does. It's just too ridiculous. So, what about the early blood? I mean. I guess the conflict. What is that? It's it's how um, uh, I don't know. Everyone reacts to Daniel Plainview's greed and how it kind of takes over everything. I don't know how you want to. If there's an easy way to sum up that question, it's kind of like a lot of conflicts. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I guess the plot is about him turning, you know, the potential uh, oil underground in that in New Boston, that, that region, that city, mm-hmm. into an empire, which he does. Mission accomplished. And it's pretty entertaining to watch him go from this guy who's, like, digging a hole by himself to super rich, lonely guy. Yeah. Sure. Begins and ends alone. All right, so... Let's see. Let's see. What about in terms of originality? Would you say that There Will Be Blood is a pretty original film? Well, it's based on a book. But not so, like, pretty no. loosely, though. Let's just let, let's forget there ever was a book. I I've never read a book. I don't know what it's like. I mean, does it? Is there really any other film like it? I feel uh, like the one I, I'm always reminded of is Citizen Kane. Really. Yeah, yeah. Just of this guy definitely. driven by by power, and it you know it has to do kind of with a an early twentieth century sort of uh, I don't know what you want to call it tycoon, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know it's interesting. I've never made that connection, but it makes total sense, and I really yeah. like that too because I really love that I, that concept. Yeah, kind both of the common man's rise to power. It's really compelling. They it's both really end. Yeah, they both end with the characters being sort of lonely and crazy and with nothing but their own their own money and power, which doesn't doesn't ultimately bring you happiness. Mm-hmm. And then kind of from like a visual thematic uh, kind of standpoint, people are always I've heard some people say like, oh, it kind of reminds me of like something Stanley Kubrick would do. I don't I don't know uh, where I stand on that, but like how it opens with. With like they don't really say anything for the first what is fifteen twenty minutes or so and just kind of the way it's paced and the way it's shot and how it looks. Uh, uh, I mean, does it, does it remind you guys of any other filmmakers or anything like that, or do you, would you say it kind of stands out on its own? <laughs> I don't know. I think it does it's kind of stand on its own. Really, it's, I think it's so. A very unique film. I think of like the oil fire and like wow, I've never seen. Quite like this. That's amazing. It is and amazing. then, like how it, it's like matched with the music, which is yeah. so bizarre and just building this tension. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like we just got nothing uh, but but praise to kind of um, spray on a. There will be blood. What about originality Ooh, praise in spray? Praise spray. <laughs> what about originality in the core? Would you say that's an original movie, like an original concept? Well, I mean, Journey to the Center of the Earth is a thing. <laughs> Now, I always thought I wasn't aware that you said two thousand three is when this movie came out, right? Yeah, yeah. I always thought it came out at like the same time as like Deep Impact and Armageddon, you know, within that. But it was it was a couple years later, though. It does seem a little f- similar to those movies when you yeah. talk about how one guy dies at a time. It's like you know, that kind of reminds me of uh, Arm Armageddon, which is a movie where they send miners to like an asteroid because it's heading towards Earth. Sounds kind of similar. I think they were definitely trying to cash in on that sort of disaster 
craze that kind of reemerged in the late nineties. Yeah, kind of with like Michael Bay and like Roland Emmerich and stuff. Yeah, but they were like, well, instead of going to space, let's go downwards into the earth. That'll, that'll that's a great idea. Make that a movie. Yeah, there's that's even a, there's a line in the movie where like space. That's not even like a big deal. There's like nothing in space. <laughs> go into the core. There's like pressure in rocks and. Krypton, crystals. Yeah, there's the one area that looks like Krypton from the Superman movie. <laughs> These shiny crystals everywhere. I don't... I, mean, I feel like the special effects are so weird. Like, this is not what I would imagine the center of the Earth looking like. There's always this, like, glowing, colorful shit going on. Yeah. I feel like it would just be like a rock them going down into it and eventually molten lava. But it's really colorful and it looks really bad. The special effects are pretty terrible. Do you think this movie was, was probably just a cash-in? Or do you think like someone's like, I have this story that I need to tell? No, I'm pretty sure someone's <laughs> like, okay, give me Armageddon on Earth. And they're like, okay, let's do it. But they didn't realize... How little sense that makes. This, it's just the most scientifically offensive movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I was actually, I was looking on the Wikipedia of this movie and there was a poll done by like a group of, of scientists from around the world for like their least favorite science fiction movie ever made and it was the core. <laughs> that is how offensive this movie is to science in general. And... Beyond all the dumb science, which we could come up with a bunch of examples of, what really bugs me about the core is the way that it just it it looks down on its audience. Like it's all the time, people are like, "Oh yeah, that that's just like physics one one. That's like high school math." They after they say like the most ridiculous things, and it's, yeah, it's like no, that's not. <laughs> High school man. But you know why you they're doing geniuses. that? You know why they're doing that? They're doing that because they're going to say, yeah, this makes sense. And if you don't think it makes sense, <laughs> you're stupid. <laughs> I, I think that is a huge problem with that movie is the way it is trying to be like scientifically, scientifically credible, even though really this movie should have just been a dumb but fun time at the movies, but it takes itself just a little too seriously at all the science when none of it makes sense. There's a scene where Delroy Lindo explains the ship is made out of a combination of concrete and diamonds called unobtainium that he invented. <laughs> yeah, that's right. James Cameron didn't come up with that. <laughs> the core did. Stole it from the core. So, I mean, you guys pretty much answered my next question is... <laughs> Is it a well-written film? <laughs> I think just your point about all those scientists talking about the worst science fiction movie they've ever seen being the core pretty much kind of um, answers that. So this, 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 this is real – so tonally this is real serious and I imagine a lot of like technical jargon and technobabble in here. Yeah, I mean there's a few tug-in-cheek moments I guess. Yeah, I like uh, Stanley Tucci narrating his – novel or whatever yeah that's funny that's good. you know it's interesting because armageddon which i wouldn't say is a great movie i actually found that movie kind of fun because it's not it's a, it's a little lightweight on the, the scientific aspect but it sounds like this movie is trying to like make this sort of plausible maybe yeah 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 it is <laughs> So if you're taking it so seriously, I can only imagine you're trying to like make it plausible. What have we not brought up? Something Sean? we haven't even brought up is DJ Qualls' character. Oh. Uh, I didn't. Even, he's DJ Qualls is in this movie. That the skinny guy. Yeah. yeah, he's like the hacker guy that they put in charge of all the computers, basically. So they bring him in on the program um, to censor the internet. So no one knows uh, that the Earth's core is going to stop, and no one knows about this whole uh, operation they're undergoing to save it. Mm -hmm. And it's a one-man operation for some reason. 
Uh, he just okay. sits there with one computer with a bunch of monitors and <laughs> censors the entire internet. And all he says is like, I'll just do like a keyword search. I don't know what fucking keyword he's using. <laughs> Earth? Okay. Uh, Earth's core, I guess. Stopping. But, all right. But then, That's funny. then as they're trying to stop Project Destiny from going off, uh, it falls to DJ Qualls, whose character is called Rat, because that's his that's his handle, like the Matrix, I guess. Uh, he has to stop them from activating Project Destiny, and he's in the same mission control as everyone else, and he's just sitting there turning off Project Destiny, and no one notices. Yeah, and then he's playing Pong on his computer. He's like, "What? I wasn't doing anything." I was playing Pong, eating hot pockets. Oh, uh, was that funny? No. No. When uh, I thought when when we were talking about plausibility, I thought what you were going to talk about was how they land a space shuttle, a space shuttle. Well, that's, that, it's a real space shuttle. A real space <laughs> shuttle. Yeah, that's what I would call that scene. Okay, <laughs> explain land, the, explain this. Yeah, go. Sorry. I think Sean should explain it. Uh, I don't look. It's, it's, it was real obvious. Uh, there's a space shuttle just flipping around the Earth for some reason, and uh, it's coming in for a landing. And apparently, everything's wrong about their landing information, and no one's really worried about it because it's like really routine in the core universe for people to the land space shuttles. <laughs> So, so yeah, they're coming down. They're coming down, and everything is wrong. They have no idea where, what happened. No one explains what happened, but they're they're over Los Angeles, and so they land it in. What are those? What are those areas called? I don't know. Um, well, basically, the <laughs> it's that thing from Terminator Two. Where they just driving the truck and he's chasing the Terminator on his motorcycle. Oh, the big oh god! What are those called? Uh, it's just call it a ravine. Yeah, like huge ditches or something like that. I can't believe yeah that weird that truck chase. I'm pretty sure it's the same one. Anyway, so they fucking land a space shuttle there, and they have like 200 feet to do it because there's bridges with construction workers on them. And so they just land, you know, and there's like construction workers like working. He has like his headphones on, so he doesn't hear a fucking space shuttle <laughs> land right next to him. And and my brother made the funny remark when the space shuttle stops and it doesn't hit him. He says, "Well, that's okay. This radiation from space has got him." It's just what it's just one of those things see, it's I, like ludicrous enough when you see like an airplane landed on like a freeway in a movie, but to see a space shuttle land And I know that's exactly what they're thinking is we've done you know, people have seen weird airplane landings. They've but they haven't Con seen Air. oh they haven't seen a weird space shuttle landing. It, it's like it's like they don't know anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> and yet they got to write and make that, a movie. I think that about sums it up, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, when I was first talking about plausibility, I'm like, oh, but that's not fair to compare this and there will be a bad plausibility. They're two totally different movies. But then I'm thinking, I feel like a part of a sci-fi movie should, you can kind of imagine this happening, you know, or like science getting to this point. You can kind of imagine it almost happening. It doesn't really sound like there's a lot in here that ever seems like it'll be even remotely possible. No. So I think plausibility is 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 fair to cover, and it sounds like this one just really uh, doesn't live up to being believable. In I any feel way. like it would have been okay if like they made this movie set like you know twenty thirty years in the future, but because. It takes place in modern day, and they're be able to create this substance called unobtainium that is can protect people from giant laser blasts. Is just I don't, I don't know why they didn't set it in the future. That's that's not uh -huh. the laser they use to to drill into the earth can shoot <laughs> giant holes through mountains, and mountains don't crumble when they have giant holes blasted in them for some reason. It's just really upsetting and. They explain everything too, and it doesn't make any sense. And then you compare it to "There Will Be Blood," 
Well, they don't really explain anything to you. They just show you how it's done, but it feels so real. Like, they get, they get the tools out, and they're, like, measuring stuff. I don't know what they're doing in There'll Be Blood most of the time. But I believe that the film makers uh, did their research. They This is somewhat like the process, at least back then. The movie feels real. People get hurt all the time, and they're just dead. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing they said it in the past, too, and they didn't decide to go with future oil drilling. So. <laughs> That's good. That's a, that's good for them. So yeah, I think that movie is pretty plausible. I didn't even really feel like if it was worth bringing up for there will be blood. <laughs> that that question and uh, the one I discussed before that was is it well written? I think with there will be blood. Yes, it's it's well written. I love that it's in a lot of spots they use dialogue sparingly, but then like Daniel Plainview also has some really great kind of like monologues and speeches. Really, really awesome stuff. I don't know if anyone else has any anything else they'd like to add to that. I just think it'd be really interesting to see that screenplay, to see like 15 pages of no dialogue. Yeah, it does, I mean, yeah well, I like that. It's very visual and, you know, it's description. So that'd probably be pretty, yeah, it would be an interesting read. Calm, are you going to ice, no, ice just, over your words? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a more well-directed movie, I guess. But yeah, I mean... The whole last scene is like ten minutes, and it's just this long conversation that just escalates. So there, there are definitely some very well written, entertaining scenes too. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, let's go on to another aspect of filmmaking. We'll start with "There'll Be Blood" since we spent so much time talking about the core, but we will have to touch on it. Is uh, "There'll Be Blood" a well acted film? You think? Um, I don't even know if we really need to comment that much about this. Uh, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis won an Oscar. He's one of the greatest actors of our time, of all time. He's amazing. I don't. I can't imagine anyone else playing, uh, you know, Daniel Plainview. I think he's great. Um, I think you, you, could, you yeah. could say it's maybe over. If if you're not, if you don't like it, you could say this is a really over the top performance. I could see that. Yeah, I think that's a fair criticism. Um, I think it just, it, some people will like that it's that big of a performance, and some people, yeah, will be rubbed the wrong way. So I think, yeah, I think that's fair. What about the supporting cast? I mean, he, Dan Day-Lewis pretty much drives the movie, but there's an interesting collection of side characters. What do you guys think about them? Um, it's uh, Kevin J. O'Connor that plays his brother, right? Uh, yes, supposedly. from Kevin J. O'Connor from The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. No, just The Mummy. <laughs> got, he got killed, but go on. Yeah, I think he was, I think he was good. Uh, you know, I never would have thought he was good after he did The Mummy. <laughs> he was okay, okay? I kind of like that movie. We'll talk about The Mummy another time. <laughs> Brent Frazier. So, we've talked about Brendan Fraser enough on this podcast. Poor guy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Paul Dano, it sounds like you have sort of mixed feelings on him. Sean, I do a little as well. What do you think, Colin? What do you think Paul Dano in this movie? I was fine with him. I feel like, yeah, the, I, this is my third viewing of the movie. And the first two times I was kind of underwhelmed like most people. Because it does seem like he spends a lot of the movie just screaming and shouting and trying to emote his way into <laughs> the level of acting that's going on with uh, with Daniel Day-Lewis. But I think he's fine. I think he's solid enough for for his character. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's his son. He doesn't really do much, but, uh, I mean, he's, he he does it well, I suppose. No. Um, as for the rest of the cast of characters, I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of... It's kind of a minimal cast. Everyone else is kind of less significant but you know they're they're fine it, it's interesting that it, it focuses on a small group of characters and i like that i like it when it's not something that's bloated with a lot of characters which uh let's move on to the core <laughs> is the core a well-acted film well let's see who have we not talked about uh hillary swank is in this as now, this mm-hmm. has a lot of people in it as uh she is the co-pilot to bruce greenwood both on that space shuttle disaster in the beginning and for whatever reason, on the on the Virgil, yeah, they needed two astronauts. They needed two astronauts to fly it, and one of everyone else. 
Uh, her character is called Beck, which is Rebecca shortened for some reason. She's bad. <laughs> She's a pretty boring character, yeah. She's the most boring. There's a scene where all this shit is going down, and she's just, like, standing there. <laughs> I'm just gonna stand. Just gonna stand. This is what I need to do right now. That's weird that Hillary, Hillary Swank, an Oscar winner, is in this movie. I wonder if it's just like, hey, I have two, my Oscar. Two. Two Oscars. Yeah, I need to make some, you know, I need some dough. Has she made any good movies besides the two that she won Oscars for? I feel like that's it. It's so That's a good point. I never thought about me. that. It's like she got two really good roles and then every other decision in her career has been a mistake. And it's a very strange career, it seems. I've well, never thought about that, but I think you, yeah, that's totally, you totally hit the nail on that. I mean, the other actresses that have won multiple Oscars, like Catherine Hepburn and like Meryl Streep, who've done tons of good movies, but Hilary Swank, she's got two and not much else to show in her career. Dude, whatever. New Year's Eve. P.S. I love you. <laughs> awesome. Black Dahlia. Mm. <laughs> Uh, Delroy Lindo, I think, does a lot with the very little he's given. But maybe I just okay. really like Delroy Lindo. No, he's fine. I feel like uh, his death is the only sad death. Yeah, I guess. Because he's almost a character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Stanley Tucci's. He, I think he brings quite a bit of panache to his character. Yeah. Yeah. That's really it. Because really he, he really does, he's the only character that seems like would have been actually fun to play because he's the smart, arrogant, <laughs> almost, evil, almost evil genius. I like how Sean pointed out that he's wearing a black cape almost in his first scene. Oh. Right out. So the audience knows he's an evil, sniveling genius. <laughs> visual symbolism, look guys there. He's got a cape. Okay, and I mean, as for Aaron Eckhart, we've already discussed that he's underwritten or just not written well, but do you think Aaron Eckhart does the best he can with the material, or do you think he doesn't do a good job in general? Well, he takes his shirt off and he looks good. <laughs> he probably worked out for the, for the movie. He did that much. <laughs> do you think he, like, took a course in, like, geology? Like, he, he, like, studied? He really wanted to, like, get into this character. Maybe. Maybe take a course in bullshit. I would <laughs> love to hear that. He like took some weird conspiracy <laughs> class. But yeah, to prepare for this, it took me a long time to be okay with seeing Aaron Eckhart movies after being introduced to him by the core. This movie was just so bad. How could he ever go on and do good things? It was. I think it was the first time I'd ever heard of him. And I'm like, oh, so long. There goes this. In that movie, I never saw. Hope to never see. But I'm now talking about it for some reason. God, uh, was <laughs> was Paycheck also 2003? It was around. It was around that time. It may have been 2004. I feel like. Is he in that? Yeah. It was 2003. You're right. Oh man. Is is, it, is that is that a bad thing? Paycheck. I didn't see Paycheck. Paycheck's not so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was 2003. Okay, but I suppose Paycheck for another time. Paycheck is more interesting than The Core because, I mean, it's a Philip K. Dick mm -hmm. adaptation. I assume a poor adaptation. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You know, it's John Woo. It's Philip K. Okay. Dick. It's, it's interesting just for what it is, not for anything they intended to do. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I, I like it. Well, I like hearing about it. Um, well, let's, let, let's go into the, the technical aspects. Um, I guess we can go back to the early blood just for a minute. Do you think it succeeds, like, on a technical level that it's a well-made film? You know, like, I'm talking about, like, effects-wise, cinematography, just the whole composition of everything. I mean, I don't even know if we need. Let's again. I don't even know if we need to comment on that. I think feel like it succeeds on a pretty excellent level. Absolutely. Do you guys just want to go back to the core? <laughs> no. Um, the only tidbit I know about uh, there will be blood kind of ties into this uh, is 
you know, it and uh, No Country for Old Men came out the same year. And apparently, they were even filming at the same time in roughly the same places. Yeah. And they're both really striking movies. And uh, when, when they were filming the the big oil fire scene in There Will Be Blood, uh, there the fire was so big, and the the big black clouds from the fire were so big, it actually disrupted the filming of No Country for Old Men for a little bit, ruined their shot. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's so cool about that sequence is that they, they didn't use any special effects or anything. They just burnt down, you know, this giant oil rig thing. Yeah, I mean, it's spectacular. I think that's a, that's, that's a big part of it is that it's like a real effect. That's so cool to see in this day and age to see stuff that's like, hey, that's real fire, you know, stuff like that. Um, so if you guys don't mind, I'd like to go back to the core. So we've discussed that it's not particularly well written it's not particularly well acted but is it competently made i would say it's competently acted i don't think anyone's doing a terrible job just a little underwhelming but but is it like competently made do the effects look good no 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 (laughs) and it's pretty misfortunate that it relies so heavily on special effects to make the whole drilling sequences uh, compelling. Because I'm sure back then they were like, well, we'll use a bunch of special effects. It'll look real cool. Audiences will love it. But now it just looks like shit. <laughs> does, does most of the movie take place inside of their, their ship thing, or do they get out of it a lot? Or is it? They spend a lot of time outside before they go down. Okay. And then there's always uh, the Richard Jenkins slash DJ Qual stuff going on on the surface. Is that and, stuff And they show us weird disasters. <laughs> uh, no, it looks like the scenes from every, like, astronaut movie you've ever seen where they're just in the control room looking on. At nothing. They never show us what they're looking at. <laughs> yeah, I love that last part where, like, they actually show that the core is starting to spin. And it's like, how the fuck can they see the inside of the core? How do they know that that's happening? Yeah, they have, like, a shot of, like, the whole inside (laughs) of the planet. Like, you cut the planet in half and you can see all of it. Like, what is this technology you're using to create this image? It can't be a camera. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. They have some sort of secret that's unobtainable um okay so the effects not so good but it's weird because it seems like this movie would be so reliant on special effects why would they make it if they didn't have good well you gotta remember 2003 okay computer effects i mean they were a thing they had been a thing for a while but i don't feel like they had the expectation of being unnoticeable yet i mean that's what everyone wanted but you could, it's not like, like a few, like now, I feel like you have to hide your computer effects. The whole reason you do computer effects is so people pretend they don't exist. I feel like back in 2003, you could be like, look at this cool computer effect I made. You know it's computer effect, but it didn't look cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting to know. Back then there, I feel like they're more trying to show off that, hey, we're doing CG. And now it's like, we're trying to make it so you, you can't tell. Yeah. So I guess there's going to be some films from around the early 2000s or late 90s that just really aren't going to look so good anymore. I don't know if this was one that looked good uh, back then. Uh, when did you first see this movie, Sean? Probably 2004, 2005. And you hated it back then, right? Oh, yeah. For pretty much all the same reasons. Yeah. So this has pretty much <laughs> just been bad since the beginning. It's not like the effects have aged poorly. They're just bad in general. It's it's like, I know they have to just make up what it looks like because they didn't do any research. <laughs> and so they're, they're just making it up and whatever. It looks like what it looks like. I don't think it's distractingly bad at any point. It just doesn't make any sense why things look the way they do. Yeah. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't look real. Mm. You don't have You don't have any real connection between what's going on with the actors and, and the special effects. The disasters okay. are pretty bad looking. Okay, okay, that's good to know. 
Uh, let's see what else. What else? Uh, what about the conclusion to both of these movies? Uh, there will be blood. Kind of ends on a bizarre note. Would you say that's a satisfying ending? The way that movie ends. I think so. I think it's at, at they're like two and a half hours in. At that point, they've kind of done everything they can do. I mean, Plainview has destroyed every relationship he has. Um. And it does kind of leave you wanting more, but it, it leaves you on an interesting line, and, and he's in an interesting place. It's a, it's a good place to stop and, and be able to keep thinking about the movie. I, I like the ending. Yeah. I guess the less imaginative way they could have gone with it is he dies in some way. Yeah. For some reason, I just imagined like a guy pushing him off a big building into a big pool of oil. <laughs> no! It's on fire. Fiery oil. That would have been interesting. But no, they went a totally different route where, I don't know, I almost felt like, oh man, the bad guy wins. But like, that's kind of like life, man. It's all about the people that are powerful and that they that want it, that have the drive. Because usually the people that have the drive to succeed in business and stuff aren't usually good people. And I think that was a really interesting way to end it. Um Seems like we're, we're we still kind of talk about that, like, oh, you should if you haven't seen it, go check it out. We're not like really just going out and saying it, but we're just like decide, dissecting every little aspect of the core because it's terrible. <laughs> we're, we're giving you good reasons not to see it. Um, so let's I'll just go back to the core. Does the core <laughs> have a satisfying conclusion? Well, let me tell you, and I'll let you decide. Um, okay. By the end, it's just Hillary Swank and Aaron Eckhart. Everyone else is dead. And they fly out of the core (laughs) thanks to explosions. But that leaves them powerless at the bottom of the ocean. God, I hated that part. (laughs) Why did you hate that part? Well, because I was so like... I mean, I wasn't enjoying the movie up to that point, but after, you know, they blew up the core, I was like, all right, this should be over. This movie should be done. But then they keep you leaving on with, with this question of, oh, are they going to be able to get out of the the bottom of the ocean? And it's like, I don't give a shit at all. Like, the movie should be over by then. They destroyed the core. But then they gotta That's, leave yeah. you with the way- another fifteen minutes of seeing what happens to Josh Keys and boring astronaut lady. Back. So they're sitting on the bottom of the ocean, and they somehow are able to turn it back on enough that it makes sonar noises, which make whales sing with the drill. Which, to be fair, is something they established going in, and uh, for which sure- was we should have seen covered because they. There's this whole scene where, like, oh my god, the whales are so beautiful. They're speaking to us. <laughs> and of course, great. they they tie it back together at the end with the whales. And uh, uh, DJ Qualls remembers the whale thing, and they find them. And they, they're like, all right, finally it's over. They're going to apparently not get together. Uh, Beck and Keith, they're just going to hang out and be friends and go back to work. But whatever. But then they're like, you know, it's too bad no one knows about all the guys that died to do this. And so we get this last little scene of DJ Qualls going to an internet cafe and hitting one button on his keyboard and leaking out all the secret documents about the core project. That was just one word document. Yeah, that's right. It was. It was like... Project Destiny dot DOC. It was a Word document. I don't know why they had to do that. Why couldn't like Richard Jenkins just like hold a press conference to explain what had happened to the world? Why did they have to send a Word document to every computer on Earth? Richard Jenkins would never reveal Project Destiny. (sighs) It's too shameful. But fortunately, DJ Qualls and Aaron Eckhart, they don't have any time for bureaucracy and, and playing by the rules i guess anyway so they're probably gonna spend the rest of their lives in federal prison but happy ending <laughs> okay uh well let's let, let's tie it up back to uh what's what started this whole subject is drilling now drilling is an environmental concern 
Uh, let's go back to There Will Be Blood. Do you think there's some kind of message in there? I mean, it's about oil drilling. That's controversial today. Do you think there's some message in there that kind of ties to modern America? Like, is there some sort of commentary? The oil is, I mean, very obviously tied to, to blood uh, in the movie. Um, I guess not so obvious when you see the title. Maybe it's, you know, it's got like multiple meanings, man. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I think the, the they do a great job of making oil just disgusting. Uh, whenever people are in it, they're just filthy. Whenever pe- people touch it, they get covered in it. And, you know, you see trains and they're just shooting big black clouds in the sky. I feel like you're really aware of pollution in this film. And you, you have to think, what good is oil doing when it's just creating more and more power for a man like Daniel Plainview? Yeah. yeah. And uh, do you think the core has anything, any sort of commentary in there? Maybe well, you'd environmental think, you'd thing think going it would on be, about drilling? You'd think they'd or be... It, it, well, I mean, it's drilling, but it sounds like it's more like... I guess, I, I guess it can't be global warming because people weren't really talking about that back then. You'd think it would be something like that. You'd think they would. You think that it would be like pollution is causing uh, the Earth's core to stop, but no, it's the the military, I guess. So maybe it's an anti-war message. Maybe. But if anything, uh, it's hard to find a message in this movie. But I mean. In the end, so it was. The probably saves really, the world. If there is, it's pretty thin. It is probably just a movie made to like, hey, let's make some bucks. I mean, it seems like they caused catastrophic planet or damage to the planet. Uh, okay. To the point that humans would probably begin to find the planet uninhabitable. But I guess by blowing the thing up in the core, <laughs> everything just went back to normal. You don't really Did know. Pe- was it people living on Earth that had – like the, the core is, is damaged or, or whatever apparently. Is that because people have been mistreating the Earth? No, it's all just Project Destiny. It's all just Project Destiny. <laughs> See, even though what I was just talking about is completely lame, like we've been harming the Earth, you know, that's why it's damaged. At least that's something, you know. That's like – it's cliche but like – at least you got some sort of like I don't know a concept that you can kind of dive into a little bit, but it sounds like this what is all based on this Project Destiny thing. Yep. I mean, how does that tie to anything in the real world? How why should anyone care about that? I don't know. And you'd think the people of the Earth who are you know suffering basically all of San Francisco lighting on fire, massive thunderstorms that kill people in Rome. You got birds flipping out for some reason. I guess because the, the magnetic north got changed. You know, you've just you just gave me the idea for another disaster. Don't you think they should have one where like the moon, because the moon like controls the tides, so it like super tsunamis all over the world because the moon is like going out of control. So this is the evil to the moon. So the evil corporation wants to control the moon. Would you? Uh-huh. When you control the tides, you control everything. So, like, the elephant is going to the moon. (laughs) He's going straight to the moon. In 3D. Okay, well, you guys have pretty much answered all of my questions. Do you have any um, last, you know, little tidbits you'd like to talk about either movie? Any any last things to say about their blood, maybe? Uh... Just recommend it. Go see it. Go I don't know. Like, anything else that you didn't get out? I think we covered most of it. Yeah. And anything else you'd like to say about the core before That's, we wrap up here? Sean, uh, what's your favorite line from the core? I feel like the quotable line is, my kung fu is strong, <laughs> which is something DJ Qualls says about himself. Uh, and his hacking ability. He talks about it like it's Kung Fu a lot. And there's this weird scene where Stanley Tucci's like putting him down and DJ Qualls like, how many languages you speak? Stanley Tucci's like, I speak five languages. And then DJ Qualls like, I speak one. Binary. Zero, zero, one, one, zero, zero. <laughs> He's like, with that information, I could, I could hack 
into your bank account. I can learn about your like sexual fetishes. I can ruin you, man. <laughs> then my favorite lines when he does that whole demonstration where he he blows like the I don't what is what does he have a can of when he blows that peach on fire? Air freshener. It's air freshener. What is it? Yeah. Yeah, the air freshener. He blows fire through it and sets this peach on fire. And he's like, yeah, this is what will happen to the earth. Feel free to throw up. I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite line. Poetry, pure poetry. So uh, so there you have it. Two movies that uh, cover the subject of drilling in, in different ways, um, both intriguing maybe to some. Uh, but thank you for joining us. I don't know when the next time we'll get to do some a segment like this again, but I did enjoy it. Um, so, you know, make sure to check us out, mildlyplease.com, or look us up on iTunes. You can find all our podcasts there and all that good stuff. So, yeah, we'll see you next time where our kung fu will be strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah.